Hail, hail. Good evening, folks, and welcome along to the Monday night show of the Endless Selts podcast. Uh, I'm Anthony, and delighted to be joined alongside two legends of the podcasting world. Uh, first off, Earl Ross, how you doing tonight, son? Hey, hey, I'm good, mate. Ain't no legend, but uh, aye, all good. Uh, just looking forward to talking about uh, the weekend's game. Absolutely, always good to have you on, son. And uh, the man with all behind all the controls today, and the reason why we're running five minutes behind, I'm always <laughs> kidding, son. Uh, man, he's on the hiss as well. How you doing, son? I well, I I've been the one with the technical issues, and just to touch on Paul Dyer, I'm an electrician as well, and that's what I've done. I switched it on and back off, and it worked, mate. It worked. We're here. Just sign him up for some Apple Genius uh, weekends at <laughs> uh, the Apple Store. Tell you, it's all good. But uh, so. Welcome on, guys. I say, and welcome on everyone in the, the comments as well. Uh, get involved in the show. Franny will be bringing up all the all the comments and stuff as well. And uh, yeah, hopefully get involved in looking back uh, a good chat and looking back and what was another good result and uh, weekend for the boys. And also to our show sponsor as well, Shamna Clothing, clothing inspired by the terrace culture. Get yourself on there for a wee discount. Some cracking stuff online. Uh, I don't. I've not been paid yet, so I've not treated myself yet. But uh, I definitely will come the come payday at the end of the month, five week months, man. Horrible, absolutely horrible <laughs> thing to do. But uh, oh, we'll just get sort of stuck right in it, Ross. Um, obviously, we were at home uh, to Hibs at the weekend. It was uh, a game which in uh, the the reverse fixture back in September we won six one. Um, not quite as free flowing. This Saturday, it was by no means a classic, but nonetheless, and another vital three points were secured. Again, aye, absolutely. Um, I was at the the was six one the last time at Parkhead. I was at that one, uh, and they were brilliant that day. Uh, not so much on Saturday. The first half, I don't think they, they, they weren't any good in the first half, but. I think they started the game pretty well. The first 10 minutes, maybe 15, they could have been a couple of goals up, wasn't they, for um, David Marshall. Felt Kyogo, his early chance, maybe should have went with his head, but he sort of improvised. Uh, doesn't get enough on it, but it's still a decent save for Marshall. But they two chances don't go in, uh, and then Hibs get into their rhythm, their rhythm being trying to break our rhythm with everything bar football. Uh, and I mean, I I don't I don't mind teams setting up to be defensive and like play to their strengths. That doesn't even have strength. But to come to Parkhead, I think the last time they lost six one, eh, their managers realised that we can't be able. We need to really be difficult to beat, which they made themselves. But all the stuff that went with it was PC nonsense. But. Again, we weren't free flowing. But that's a, a, maybe. A few times the last four or five weeks we've not been free flowing, but once again, like always, we get the job done because we just we just score goals for fun. Uh, even if we're playing bad, we just make that many chances that eventually you're going to take one or two, and that's what happened again on Saturday. Yeah, it certainly did, and uh, as Paul says, it's nine games to go now. It is literally we are at that point, really, mm-hmm. um, Franco, where it's not really about performance as such as much as we enjoy a good performance as well as a, a good result but we just want to kind of wrap this up um, as quickly as we possibly can you know there's uh, there's still as I say nine games to go 
but we're nine points clear, essentially 10 with the goal difference. We just want to kind of keep these games ticking over. Well, that's it. You do just want to keep ticking over. Obviously, we've got the, the cup game coming up, so you want to be, you do want performances to be better than what they were on Saturday, but I think in the main, yeah, they've not been, like, not what they were maybe just after the World Cup. We have had a, a run of sort of fixtures. We have turned in some good performances, but like Ross said, it's not been the free flowing that you'd maybe say we're, we're used to as such, but we've been getting the results. And But it's one of them. I, like Ross, I've never seen the first half, but I've seen the highlights. I did see the jot and Kyogre chance. I think Kyogre should go with his head, but I think he scored one in the fir- his first season, like last season, similar against Aberdeen, when maybe he went with the chest. So he's maybe just thinking mm. the same. He's a couple yards out. Probably thinks he just needs to get a decent contact on it, which he does, and it goes in. But it was just one of them which goes straight straight to Marshall and he makes a save. But it was what I see, like obviously, you know, the second half, it, was, it did seem like a funny game. One of the ones where he just they happen usually more than once in a season. I think, like, we, we spoke about it and that and things. You tend to you tend to get a few games in a season where you'll actually just you'll have to grind out a result and turn in that type of game where it'll just. You just need one thing to maybe go in your favour, like what I, th- I think it was a penalty, but just get get something like like a penalty where you're not actually having to create a clear cut chance and something just to go in your favour, so to speak. And you just sometimes you've just got to go get the type of games out the window, out the way, sorry, and it's just move on to the next one. Like I say, you've just got to grind some results out, like Ross said. St. Mirren's kind of showed how to beat us by sitting in, you've got to be. Got to get a bit of luck with that, be, be sitting in and then try to play on the counter, maybe or big goal direct a wee bit quicker. So, Hibs are obviously trying to do that. They were disrupting the flow of the game, things like they, I think Lee Johnson chucked the ball on twice to the dugout. Madness. Yeah. One of his coaches done it as well. Um, it wasn't just him, he, he got and it um, happened twice, it, but there was more. Yeah, uh, it's just mental, absolute mental. But teams have got to kind of have to try and do, do things, and it's, I think, it's a testament to us that. On days like that, where it wasn't really, wasn't our best performance, probably arguably, on memory, it's, it's was probably our poorest certainly at Parkhead this season. Um, but we managed to get the result, and that's all that really matters at this stage. It keeps the confidence up, keeps you believing. Uh, it certainly does, and as I say, just as the uh, games are, you know, the end of the season, we're coming, but after this international break, very much the. The business end, we just want to be in as, as strong a, as a position as we possibly can. Um, we'll obviously get touching on some of the other big talking points, uh, Ross, just as the, as the show unfolds. But it, as I say, for us all, that it was a bit of a scrappy game. It wasn't without its, um, its talking points and incidents. One of the ones um, definitely on the negative side um, was the first sort of thing to come along was uh, the potential injury to Rio Hattati, um, a player who he's not someone who makes a case for you know going down a lot or anything so when whenever he's complaining of having to come off the park you know it it's uh, it's well hopefully it's not too serious but it's certainly serious enough for him to, to stop playing for the match uh, for, for that game um we just hope that this um this two week break um can give him a bit of respite and they can get back fully fit i i mean that's it. that's it's the international break in that sense has, has come at a good time. Uh, but you just hope that, I think they were talking about it might be his hamstring. You just hope that it was it's more precaution. Is that... mm. Aye. 
I know, that's it's 100%. <laughs> but uh, aye, um, you just hope that it's precaution, but it didn't look, look good. He did... He did look as if he was in a bit of pain, wasn't he? It wasn't he like there was nothing and we'd just take him off here just for the sake of it? Because the game wasn't he, wasn't he won, it was nil-nil at the time, I'm sure. Uh, so there is definitely something. But hopefully it's no like a, a proper hamstring tear in which you're looking at like, I don't know, four weeks to six weeks maybe. You hope that it's one of the ones... You don't want to rush him back either because... Mm. We've got, like, obviously the semi-final. You don't want to do... Last season, we rushed Kyle, go back for the cup final. He, he won us the cup, but then we lost him for a number of weeks. Obviously, we had Jack Amakis to come in. Hatate, he would be a massive, massive loss in the middle of that park. I dare say that we would probably still just get away with it for the most part in most domestic games, but that semi-final... Having them at Parkhead in a couple of weeks' time, I think it's the eighth. You want him to be there, fully fit and ready to go, because you want you want to go into the games with your strongest possible team, and Hatate is obviously part of that. Yeah, would you absolutely. see just kind of would you risk Hatate in the semi final, even if it meant missing the rest of the season? Because I I would argue the semi finals are the biggest game of this. No. Um. I, I probably would the league game before that though you know, I don't know but I, I think the league's all but done and dusted I wouldn't risk him in the league game but I would probably risk him in the, the semi-final if it meant to try and break your best team out mm-hmm. true um, um, very much depends at, at, the, at the high risk you would lose him for the rest of the season I would probably do it similar to probably his attitude with Kyogo was probably knew uh, well, uh, the high risk certainly if we if we managed I say manage. I think we will. But if we if we go and beat Rangers, if if Atati's no back for the say the Rangers game, if he's not quite fit, you don't chance it. But if we get the win in that game, we would expect him to be fit for the semi final because mm. that's nearer the end of the month. But if he wasn't, and he was sort of maybe seventy eighty percent, I think you go with him. I, I think you go with him in the semi final because then the the league's. Almost well, it's pretty much it, it will be done if we beat them uh, uh, in the next game at Parkhead. So, aye, but hopefully it's no risk. Hopefully it's just aye. that. <laughs> that's it. Well, that's the thing, Franco. Obviously, there was a lot made um, uh, sort of the last week or so since the Japan national team's announcement was made, and you know, there's been all sorts of kind of repercussions from that and, and discussion. But it's probably ended up ironically, it's worked out perfect for Celtic because he, he now has this kind of two-week respite to just making sure you can be continually uh, assessed by the Celtic medical team so that we'll know you know sort of first and foremost when he will be sort of fit to, for him to be picked it wouldn't be a risk so to speak Well that's that's I mean I've said it countless times Japan's midfield must be superb if Hatati's not getting in it Um I know the Japan coach said obviously he's looking at the future, but what is it at twenty four or something? So by the time the next World Cup comes around, he's you could argue he'd be in his prime. The the Kyogo one, I can kinda understand because he'd be thirty one, thirty two then. Players are going a wee bit better now, but that I can understand that not looking towards the future and stuff like that with with Kyogo. But I think the break 
like I think Ross mentioned it earlier, the break is coming at I think at a great time for us because Taylor obviously went off injured. I think he what I see in the game, he was looking a wee bit uncomfortable. I don't know if I was reading too much into the fact that his socks were pretty much down at his ankles as well. It's didn't I've never really probably reading too much into that, but just just because he went off injured. But I think I don't know the the sort of serious say Moy's injury. I'm hoping again that's just a couple of weeks again he'll be he'll be good to go for Ross County because I think we did uh, miss him as well. But I think earlier Ross said that, that the break's coming at a great time for us. It gives Hatati the others just a chance to to rest up with. And I don't know if he'll maybe give the guys that are not on international duty maybe three, four days off or something and just get them back into training. We know he likes prefers them in the training ground, so he maybe not get they maybe not get that time off. But I think I think they'll be allowed some time off and we'll come back in a couple of weeks just fresh and ready to go to Ross County. So uh, it's the the break I think's come at a key point key time again for us. I think it was something similar right about well a wee bit earlier last season, was it not the break came at a great time for us as well when we brought it we we forced everybody to bring it forward. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Celtic and the Scottish government co-conspired uh, <laughs> you know, bring the economy down to help us get a chance to claw in a back six point lead that is uh, one of the many crazy thoughts in the mind of your uh, average daily record reader but Rod, so I was going to go straight back to Franco but then I'm remembering as he says that he's, uh, he didn't see the first half so I think it's probably best to come back to you uh, for us when it's our favourite um, part of the show. It's uh, sadly become a, a regular feature since uh, October. It's uh, it's time for our favourite moment, VAR watch. Um, few incidents. First one, um, well I say, I say it's a red card incident and probably best to say it's two yellow cards which is not quite the same thing. Um Hab striker Yuan was uh, was booked for a foul on Starfelt um, initially, and then received the second yellow after a coming together with, with Carter Vickers. Um, there was then uh, three penalty um, incidents. Um, first one was uh, awarded to Hibs on the back of a, a foul, um, a shot pull by by Starfelt. Uh, the second one, I think it was a foul on Carter Vickers uh, for Celtic um, with free kick coming into the. Mm-hmm. The box, and finally, when Abada was clean through, and um, initially was deemed to have been fouled by David Marshall, the VAR cameras showed that you know the Israeli had actually tripped and uh, fell over himself, and um, so the decision was was reversed. Um, as I say, it's um, it was a kind of pretty busy day for uh, the men in black. What were your your own thoughts on uh, the incidents? I have to say personally, myself. I felt the red card, um, or said the second yellow was was quite harsh for Hibs. Um, I would have to agree with that. Uh, I think it was more than harsh. I think mm-hmm. the guy they're jostling for the ball. Carter Vickers comes over the top of him. You could say, as uh, you could make a case as Carter Vickers fouling him. Mm-hmm. He's trying to get to the ball. He's come through sort of back of him. He's dipped his head. He's went to hook the ball. It's one of the things you see it all the time. Mm-hmm. But what I will say is, you see it all the time, but you also see the guy who brings his foot up, not high, mm-hmm. but brings it up, they tend to get booked. Mm-hmm. That's not me saying it was a booting. For me, it absolutely wasn't a booting. Initially, eh, his first booting, I initially thought that could have been a straight red. And I seen a couple of replays during the game, but 
you're in the emotion of the game and I was still saying straight red. But I watched the highlights uh, last night on Sports Scene. It was a booking. I, th- I thought he'd, do you know that way when he, he, he comes in to block and he puts his foot mm-hmm. up? I thought he'd actually like pushed his, do you know that way you, you, mm-hmm. you push your foot down mm-hmm. with a bit of force? But he actually hadn't. He catches Starfield. It's one of the ones you see all the time just are coming together. It is a booting. But I Hibs, they should rightfully feel aggrieved that he was sent off, I have to say. Uh, in terms of the penalty incidents, um, the Hibs one, Starfelt, I think, you see it a lot. You see it all the time. I think he makes a silly decision. He gets caught in his heels and he realises that the Hibs player's going to get away from him. He tries to just, like, feel for him, if you like, but he gets a hold of his T-shirt, his top, and you have to say, if it's up the other end, you're looking for the penalty. But at the same time, if you're gaining that as a penalty, you're maybe gaining five or six penalties a game, corner kicks. And I think that's why, I think that's why Celtic probably got their penalty. Because Hibs got theirs, the referee felt, I have to give this here. Even though it's probably it's it's airing on the soft side, uh, but so is the Starfelt one. I would probably say Hibs penalty was more of a penalty than the Celtic one, but they were both on off the soft variety. Uh, was that it? I can't remember. Is there any other? Uh, just the Celtic, Abada one. The, the Abada one at the end. Oh, aye, aye. They they got that bang on. Aye. Abada just his foot went into the ground and just. Tripped up basically, and the, the referee <laughs> changed his mind, right? Rightly uh, so. Far done its job. That's what far was there. Oh. Yeah, well, that's it. You don't, you don't mind it. If it, and it if it, I'd actually we were going out on on Saturday night, so we'd, we'd left the game by that point, which I don't normally like doing. I normally like to stay to the end, but um, I have to say when I watched it back, they said it didn't actually take even as long as what these incidents are normally taking. To overturn, so if the right decision's been made and it's been made quite quickly, then that's like you say, Fran. It's it's what it should be there for. But um, your your own thoughts on the incidents, Brian? I'm sure you've probably seen the game or even those incidents back by now. Um, uh, do you have any? But do, do you think any of the decisions were wrong or? No, nah, right? well, I th- I'm sort of a similar game to you. So I think the red, well, the deal card that. Uh, led to the red card is, is harsh but uh, you kind of understand it uh, just the way it is it's one of the ones that could have went either way I think if he didn't get booked nobody would have complained but it's what just kind of understand the booking the Hibs penalty it is soft but he's got he's had a hoddy's jersey for a good few seconds in it and Kenny gives him a wee push as well it's, it's absolutely stupid because I think Taylor's in front of him as well they've kind of got Celtic are set up well for it and it just it's just one of these silly moments that Starfelt has. It's a Starfelt foul. And it's just one of the ones. It's uh, you've, you just, I don't know, it's, you, it does so good and then you tend to forget a lot of it because it has the moments. And it's, for me, it's a penalty. It was maybe not as clear a shot pull as the one that uh, O had the other week uh, at St Mirren, but it, it was a shot pull nonetheless. It's apparently the referees are meant to be looking out. I think the length of the time he's maybe held his shirt. I don't really think he's pulled him or anything like that. 
essentially and put them off. But then it's the push as well. And then the Celtic one, I think is a wee bit generous to be fair. I think it's I think it's a penalty, but it's it is very soft, I think. Very soft. Right. And the badder either the badder one's bang on. Aye, sorry. I yeah. Aye, I think, that's never that's I think, never a penalty. Aye, I think uh, I'm, I'm kind of I must, I must admit, Ross. I'm actually glad you were saying about the red card um, or potential red to, to start with because um, I must admit, similar uh, to Monty, had a few um, before the game and uh, perhaps we've seen it through some uh, tinted specs. But I was going absolutely tonto at the game for the. I thought it was a straight red to start with sure as well. But then, ironically, <laughs> um, well, when the game was good, one of the things I'll say about about you and it, it didn't really. A CCV and nobody else. There was nobody in the crowd angling for another booking um, for you. And by the same token, he didn't exactly protest much when he when he got sent off. I mean, normally, I mean, not that you're condoning anything that Mitrovic done yesterday at Old Trafford, but when it's such a soft one like that, you kind of expect them to be, you know, quite irate about it. But he, he sort of just shrugged his shoulders and off he went, um, which I thought was a bit strange. But I think yeah, that I think- sort of. So, sorry, I'm just no, going to say, I think that sort of pays to what I was saying in terms of, like, you, players get booked for that all the time. It's not mm-hmm. a booking, but mm-hmm. it's like the, the ones when a defender's facing his own goal and he's running back and the striker puts him under a bit of pressure and he throws himself to the ground, the mm-hmm. referee goes, oh, that's a foul. Uh, it's the same with that. Oh, his high feet, he's kicked him in the face. He's not... He'll kicked him in the face. He's put his head down. He's br- they've met in the middle, but the guy bringing the foot up always gets the booting because it's more dangerous than grinding your head. But I think that's probably why he's not really, as you say, being irate. But for me, it's it's no it's it's no booting. But. Mm. I have to say I agree. I, th- I thought it was quite harsh, although I do. Funnily enough, Alistair, it was a good point you made there. Just before we got that penalty, um, there was, was one. That the, the entire stadium was was screaming for it. I have to say I didn't I didn't see it myself, um, so I can't. And I've not seen sports scene or anything like that, so I don't know to be able to put my own judgment on it. I don't know if any of you guys seen. Was that, that the one. possible handball? Yeah. What, what was your thoughts? Is that the one I where thought... it hits his leg and comes up and hits him? I thought it hurt his leg. It was the boy that him, excuse me. It was the boy that gave the penalty away. I think it was a his block, if I remember right. Maybe Alistair could confirm that in the comments. No. But I felt it hurt his leg. I might be thinking of the total wrong bit as well. But I, I'm sure it was obviously after we got the penalty. I'm sure the corner that led to our goal, like O's goal. I thought the boy handballed in that that one as well. I could be hanging out of the game. You right. might be right. I, I, I remember um, just screaming handball quite a lot on Saturday, but that, again, that might have been, uh, that <laughs> might have been due to the copious mix of drank before the game. I've obviously only seen yeah. the highlights. That I get well, obviously I've seen the second half now, but it's like when you're stuck in the emotion of the game as well, I think you tend to see things that you want to see in uh-huh. other, like, some of the situations there with the handballs. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I have to say all in all <laughs> 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 with, with Starfield I, I, I agree with these boys I do think it's it's soft but it, it's it's this thing that he's, he does have previous for unfortunately it's given the referee that option um, to do it needlessly so because I, I, as you say I, I think 
I, I don't think there was any, you know, any clear and obvious danger. Um, but it is what it is. And yeah, I, but, I, again, I, 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 I do agree with what, you know, but I think Boyce should put it up there with regards to what Lee Johnson says, that if you're given both of those kind of penalties, then you're going to be seeing a lot more penalties given all the time. Well, unless it's the Ibrox, of course, but you you know what I mean. It's, you know, it's, it kind of it disrupts the flow of the game. You know, fouls mm. and, and awards like that. But but see see the... things like that. Sorry, no. Anthony. No, no, you. Um, well, like say they two decisions at the weekend, right? And like say the the O one the other week, uh, even the one Morello Scott a few weeks back, mm. where Jersey pool can't mind who mm. it was against. There's a living it. I think it. I think it maybe was, but they they penalties, they fouls, whatever. They before VAR, they don't get given, right? Even mm-hmm. if the referee sees it in real time, mm-hmm. he doesn't give it. But when you watch it back in slow motion on video evidence, it always looks worse for me. Th- mm-hmm. A thing like that always looks worse. It looks like he's held his jersey longer because it's slow motion, mm-hmm. and they're going to start giving these now, and you'll see a lot more given, like Lee Johnson has said. You, you will, you've seen a lot more already. They're never getting given before that. Never in a million years. I, I would say as well, that, and that's one of my thing, my, my, my issues with, with VAR in, in general, not necessarily the, the awarding or anything, but it's when when they go to look at the monitor, they only see it at like a, a, almost, it's either very, very slow motion or almost like a freeze frame. And you're like, show it in real time as, ah, as well. You know, give, that, give the, let, let them see those multiple sort of angles and, and, and speeds. But it, it always seems to be to show you the replay, but it's not the referee's not actually overlooking at it until it starts showing you, you know, slowed down. And I oh. think, like, those says it can make some quite fairly innocuous things look far worse than they, they actually are. But uh, I totally agree to say, with showing them in real time, like, totally agree yeah. with showing the replays in real time. Yeah. And it's, uh, yeah, another um, another eventful day on uh, another eventful game for for the ref and VAR. Um, but yeah, the the jot of penalty got us back into it. Evening Brown Warrior um, got us back into the game, and you know we we huffed and puffed after that. Ross made a few substitutions. Um, funnily enough, just before um, the second goal went in, I joked to my dad that this is the exact type of game you needed Big Gigi for. Uh, needless to say, our, uh, our South Korean purchase from. Uh, Oh, from the winter um, transfer window, came up trumps again. I've, I've said that a few times on the podcast that I'm, I'm a big fan of his. I think he looks uh, a real live one, but I thought it was an absolutely terrific header. Uh, it came just at the right time. Uh, you, you've said that it was a brilliant piece of strength. He had two chances just before that. He said, well, he alluded to in his interview after the game that he felt like he, sh- he should have took the chances, but I mean, he takes he takes that chance. It's a big, important goal. It's strength for the guy. He he, he showed all his attributes in that one goal, mm-hmm. uh, and it's like we've he's not the same type of player as Jack Marcus. There's differences, but that had shades of Jack Marcus, and it's that different option for Kyogo that you need. But and then, I mean the goal comes at the right time, but again I'll say it about the Celtic team. You you watch games sometimes. I know we've equalised by that point, but sometimes you you watch and you'll say, "Ken, we'll just take the one-one here because." Aye, by the way, he's bang on. Very similar. 
Aye. But aye, so we've equalised by that point. Some some teams will go, we'll just take the one one here because we could play all day and no score again. But I don't know how you feel, but me sitting there watching that, I still felt we were going to score. I always feel we're going to get that one and goal. Any time for well, for after game six eh, last season, every time we've even been sort of on the edge and maybe dropping points we've come up with a goal all the time I don't I, I don't recall obviously bar the St Mirren game which was just a really bad day but apart from that I think we've come up trumps all the time even when we're not playing well because we've just got so much threat in the top part of the park that if one of them is not doing it we'll bring somebody else on and they'll do it and that was proven brought on oh, got the goal Brought on Haxabanovic, I'm sure we'll touch on that. Got the goal. It's just what we're all about. Sure is, mate. Um, it's, um, like you say, Franny, as Ross says, you know, terrific header, and as some of the boys are saying in the chat, quite uh, <laughs> unlike a lot of the goals that we scored against Juventus back in the, the Champions League night. But, um, yeah, I think O's just been a... He's, he's came in, he's obviously not... He's only started the, the one game, I think, still so far, mm. but he's looks like he's just coming on with... He, Every game that he comes on, he, he looks like he's adding a bit more to his game. And as I say, he comes up trumps on uh, Saturday. I have to say, like Ross, 99% of the time, I'm always you know, confident that we can get that, that one and goal. But I don't know if it was just because of the fact that we'd been behind all the sort of incidents that had happened in the game. And the fact so that you were going to die there, Tony. So <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> that, that just came back on me. <laughs> um, just, just the fact that... Um, uh, as well, after yet another um, early kickoff on Sky um, for the Teddy Bears, that you know, I thought this is just going to be a, a perfect storm. That you know they're going to you know get a couple of points back just as we're going in for the international break. You could um, you could often see always see the mainstream media, you know, and a, t- a ton of glee uh, <coughs> at the prospect of it. Even Hugh Keevans, as always, got ahead of himself on Clyde One, but again, they underestimated the Celtic side, and it's uh, you know. Ability to win a game for for the jaws of a draw. Suki was not maybe a Celtic fan. I'm starting to think he's just in that. Well, he, he says he was born a Celtic fan, but he's he's not. What is it? He says he's not green enough for oh, right. for the green side of Glasgow. So he's not trusted, and he'll never be trusted by the blue half because he was born in the green half. Personally, oh, right. I think the guy's just an absolute prat. To be perfectly honest, <laughs> yeah, I just uh, hope he keeps in should be long consigned to the history books. It's quite a few times he's done that this season now, and we've just scored minutes later. But ah, well, I was a wee bit different for us watching that. I was just, it kind of was giving me the feeling that maybe this is a day that just it's just not going to happen for you. Like you say, Rangers have kicked off, early, kicked off early and got the uh, got the three points they had. Maybe it spells if I never seen any of their game either, but maybe just looking at what uh, the scoring things they maybe had some tricky moments, but then they ground out a result. Um, and then you're maybe looking at where it's down to 10 men early, like Hibs down to 10 minutes, what was it, 25 minutes, they get a penalty just before half time, we've not played great and stuff, and it's, like you say, the, the international break's coming up, it's, if the game fizzles out like that, it's down to six points, the narrative can kind of change in the media, saying, oh well, it's the first sort of slip in that, how will they react when they come back, and that can kind of be playing on the, the players' minds, I don't, don't think it would, I think we're, the players are a lot more tuned in than that, but it, you know, you just didn't know 
it can be one of them, maybe more getting to the fan sort of mindset saying, oh, well, maybe it's six points now with two, two games against Rangers. It's not as comfy as we maybe thought it was. But then you get that penalty, albeit Jota's a wee bit fortunate with it. But I think from that moment, I was confident we would go on and win the game because I always thought, right, we've got our tails up here. We'll, we'll create more chances. We will get more chances. And whether that be, it might be another penalty or stuff. But I think O's goal was just sheer determination to absolutely get that. I think Ross was right. There is shades of Jack and Marcus in there who just overpowered the ball. It was always going to be him that was getting it. And uh, it was it was good. It was, I think Ross actually said it in the, the group chat as well that for him, I think it's a massive goal because it was an important goal at the time and stuff. So he's seen it and it meant a lot to him. I think he's had, he's had an okay start. It, you can see there's a player in there. I think he has a real live wire and stuff and very confident lad. I think both when he scored against St. Mirren, he was up giving it the hands out like this and then he's obviously got the top off at the weekend and stuff. But he certainly looks a confident figure. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing more of the guy and I think next season could be could be massive for the ball. I think this goal will give him lots of confidence, but yeah, I, I think so too. And uh, same again, Franny. Obviously, another player that we've you know watched lyrical about quite a lot recently. I um, say attacks Ivanovic um, scored a great goal against Hearts a couple of weeks ago, and uh, done the same again off the bench against the uh, the other team from Edinburgh on Saturday. It could be he could be pushing for more and more game time as the season goes on. As a as a player, I really, really rate. I'd, I'd maybe even argue he's our best our best wide player. But I think you, you've got to be playing by Eden Jota when they're fat. As silly as that sounds, I think he's our best player, best arguably our best wide player. I think trickery and how he can just he can beat a man and get in his all. He seems to like that wee one where he cuts in and just bends it round like. I think that's three times he's done that this season. But. It's like I say, you can't be dropping Maeda for him now. Maeda is so important to the team and how he how he plays. Jot is the same, but I think the now we we had to I seen an interview with him recently because I think it was after the Hearts goal that he scored, and then he was talking about how it's not been. Never said it was no ideal, but he was saying obviously want he would like to get more minutes, but he understands his position in the team now. The team's playing well. He's been out injured. He can't expect to just be coming straight in and things. So he's just, he's, he understands his part in the squad. He obviously got the chance against, his Hearts at Tynecastle, wasn't it? I feel like he got a start a couple of weeks ago. Just recently. Aye, it was Tynecastle. And, and uh, he didn't really, didn't really do his cell justice there and stuff. So it was, Maida was obviously, wasn't injured or anything, so Maida was always got to, deservedly come back in but it, it just shows the quality of it it shows players like maybe even Tumble as well they know the position currently in the team and they know you didn't hear about anybody that cracks advantage as I say I think is a top top player Tumble I'd argue is a, a really good player as well but they didn't seem to be upset in the dressing room there's no nobody, you didn't hear Ange coming out saying I folk are chatting the door asking why I'm not getting played and stuff I think a lot of the players on a lot of players that maybe aren't starting. Even if, like, look at a badder. Like, look at his numbers are ridiculous. But he's not really getting a starter now and stuff. So it's, I think players know their role within the team. And yeah, it's up to Ange to kind of control that. And I think the five substitutes helps as it, it allows them to give, give players more minutes. I mean, I'm a traditionalist. I would love to go back to the three subs, but I think it'd be harder to keep a lot of these players happy if we only got three subs. 
It would, and it's obviously part of Angie's um, tactic. You know, he likes to make that almost you know double or treble substitution at sixty minutes, and then keep one or two back for for later on as the as the game goes on. And of course, more about Abada coming up uh, very shortly. But um, Ross, we know what's your own thoughts on Aksabanovic? It's another great goal at the, at the weekend, and he's just more, definitely playing his part um, as this season's going on. Aye, he definitely is, and. I would probably agree with Franny in terms of that. I said it myself a couple of weeks back that he's probably technically our best wide player. Um, Jota's obviously got more tricks and flicks than that. I, I don't know. I don't know if he's pushing for a starting berth now. Obviously, I really, I, I'm a big fan of Maeda. He's had a couple of indifferent performances the last few weeks. I've been looking for for him to get substituted and bring Haksabanovic or that on. Obviously, Haksabanovic played, he started against Hearts. He didn't do himself justice. Then you get Abada coming in, he gets a start. I think it was the, the game before the Tynecastle game, Abada started at Parkhead against Hearts. He didn't do himself justice. But I think it's it's difficult for these guys. They're coming in off the bench and they are making an impact in games. When you're giving them that start and they're not getting a runny games, it's difficult to sort of criticise them when they're not getting that runny games. They're just coming in and then they're back out of the team. But certainly, mm. I, I, like Franny, like most people, I'm a massive fan of Haksabanovic. I think he looks brilliant. There's nobody... Cuts inside the way he does and whips one into the corner. He's showed that. Uh, I mean, Jota comes in, he comes inside off off the left and that and tries that and he's not as accurate as Haktabanovic. He's got that sort of bit of culture about him. I really, really like him and I think... <sighs> See, my issue with him is I don't know if he's got the engine playing this team for the start he's he looks more durable than some as in terms of like stronger or that mm-hmm. but I don't know if he does does enough in, in the press if you like so I don't know if that's what's keeping him out of the team but certainly he's got all the ability to be able to be a very good Celtic player eh, and I've every faith in him eh, but if he's no starting and he's coming off the bench and doing what he's been doing. Keep it coming. Yeah, absolutely. Can't I um, can't argue with that. As I say, Alice, as Alistair says, he's perhaps a little bit like Tam Rogic, we are a wee bit more of a turn of pace. It's actually it's a very very fair point. Um, well, boys, just whilst obviously, um, Franny, you're you're talking there about uh, Leo Abada, or the mm-hmm. uh, winger, uh, right right uh, out on the. Uh, we've just been some. News come out today on the Daily Record, which they, I'm sure, would absolutely <laughs> love to hear because they got to write something negative about Celtic. Um, the president, it's a big game former, coming up. <laughs> yeah, that's it. He's um, the president of his former club, is Maccabi Tikva. I've either nailed that or I've just done a Stephen special. Um, but the previous <laughs> clubs just came out and uh, basically said that he thinks it's going to be 90% sure that he's going to the Premier League this summer, despite the fact that in January, Abada 
apparently stated that he didn't want to be sold. So there's a contradiction in terms of ever I've heard them, Franny. But, you know, the, he, he also claims that he's rejected a new deal by Celtic, even though, I'm, you know, not that we're obviously not privy to these things, but we don't know if there was a, even another offer on the table. In any case, um, he would obviously follow in that trend of, you know, Juranovic and Yakimakis were these rumours to be true. Um, but what's your, your sort of own take on the situation itself and, you know, worst case scenario, if it was true, what life without Leal Abada would be like at Celtic? Uh, personally, I, I think it's it's nonsense. I mean, I've obviously let Ross have his saying it, like he makes valid points like he did in the chat, so I'll let him come back with that when, when we're done. But uh, like... I think he's got two and a half, three years left in his deal. For me, I don't see at this stage of season we're looking to renew a baddest contract or any player for that for that matter with that, that length of uh, time left in our contract. I just don't see you trying to... Because we very well to your offer that it, it could sort of uh, get a wee bit of unrest and within the fan base, maybe in the dressing room. If he is rejecting a contract, maybe fans will not necessarily turn on him, but Maybe not. Maybe be on his case a wee bit more if he has game has games like the Hearts game and stuff, and they'll maybe be on his on his back a wee bit. So I just don't, I don't think Celtic would want that kind of thing to be leaked out, or the potential of that to be leaked out at this stage of a season with so many big games coming up. I I could be possibly miles off the probably they could be offering him a contract that could be all true. I just find that a bit strange that the Daily Record are somehow talking to his ex. It's not even his ex-manager, it's the, the guy that owned the team or something, or something like that. So it's just, it, it feels it's, it, it feels a weird a weird sort of article to print. Uh, as I say, none of us are privy to it. We don't know, we'll only have our own theories on it and stuff. But for me, it, it would seem strange. I'm not silly to, don't, to think that a foreign player, especially a young one of a badder's age, has came to Celtic and looking at Celtic as a stepping stone to get to the Premiership. I think we'd all be naive if we didn't think that was his, his sort of long-term plans that he wants to move on for Celtic and go somewhere down south where it's, it, is the, it is the holy grail for a lot of these players and stuff is to get to the Premiership. They know the money it can make, they know it's life-changing and that might even just be going to like a Southampton, like a Brighton, a Crystal Palace. It doesn't need to be the big guns. They, as long as they can say they've got, they've been at the, the English Premiership, it's kind of that's a trophy alone for some of these boys. So I think also we'd be selling, not necessarily, I don't think Kanji's necessarily selling Celtic as a stepping stone, but probably saying, you come on, you come here, listen to me essentially. I'll give you, I'll give you a chance to sort of showcase your ability in the world's your oyster essentially. But for me, I I, I think the story is nonsense, but also I'd, I would be naive to think that uh, I'm not silly to not think that the guy's not looking to advance his career somewhere down the line and likely be in the EPL. Yeah, I think that we can definitely see, Ross, that he's certainly got the ability to, to play his trade down there. As always, what I often think, though, um, as it happens often with a lot of players that leave Celtic, you know, they, they seem to almost sometimes it can be that it, it could be in, in, in a hurry to do it. Um, maybe I, I would argue that maybe in, in at least another year here. Um, learning under Ange would probably be the best for him. But as Antonio says here, I think in previous, if, if you had to tell us like last year, even this time last year, say, 
that Yakimakis and Juranovic would be gone um, in less than a calendar year, and yet we'd still be as strong as we are. I, I, I don't think these potential departures send the same shockwaves that they do. If, if anything, Ange's act almost preempted it with his, with his um, comments at the AGM that year, last Christmas when he says, you know, this will, you know, that this possibly will happen more and more often. But I would imagine that even if a worst case scenario is true, that Ange will already have other um, targets in mind. Um, well, I sort of alluded to that earlier on when we were talking about it in the group chat. <clears throat> I think that, I mean, we're, we're hearing this rumour, Franny, was it you said that it's his ex-boss at Maccabi? I, think, I don't some... think it's the manager. I don't think it's the manager. I think it's the guy that actually the, wants um, the team or something. The, the right. Well, I mean, uh, Avi Isvon. Right. Well, I mean, he's nothing to do with Celtic, that guy. Mm. I don't know what he's got to gain, what he's saying, what he's saying. I can't remember how long Abada's got left on his current contract. But for me, regardless, I think that whether it be Ange or somebody representing Ange because he likes to stick to the football, Celtic as a club will be in constant dialogue with all the players to find out where their head's at because, as we know, the team's constantly evolving. Ange is constantly looking to get stronger, better. And it's just how we've been working. But I don't... I don't like to get too caught up in a, a rumour that I see in the daily record um, yeah. about one of our players. I mean, Abada, like many players before, will eventually leave Celtic. Wherever he goes, fine. But as I say, we'll be in constant dialogue just purely because Ange, uh, if Abada is want to leave in the summer, he needs to make contingency plans and have another guy lined up, like you've said, similarly um, Juranovic. The rumoured for ages that he was going, but Celtic would have been speaking to him and they evidently knew he was going to go and they already had the replacement in before he left. Jack and Marcus left. That, that sort of dragged on a bit, but it was so we could get Owen, for me, and it'll be the same with Abada. Listen, I think Abada's a great player. He's young. I think he should stay here for at least another year, pro- probably two, because I know he's not playing all the time now, but he'll get his chance again. And It's not like he's lost form. He's just, it's just difficult to get into the team. But he's young, like I say, but at the end of the day, he's no starting the now. And if he does decide to go in the summer, I think he'll... I don't like to say that. He'll not be a, a really, really difficult player to replace. I think there's plenty other players... Not off the top of my head, but there's plenty other players that play similarly to Abada and can come in and do a job at Celtic. Um, and Angel already, already have identified them if... Abada is making noises that he wants to go, but personally, I don't see it. I don't see it. The, the player doesn't look like it. He comes on, he came on at St. Myrne, he's trying his damnedest. He gets, I'm sure he got a goal that day. Um, but 
I'm not worried about it at all because the way Celtic are working now, we've said it numerous times, they are acting like a big club right now and Angel will not let them rest on their laurels, not for one second. And he, like I've said already, he will be or somebody will be talking to all the players to see where their head's at. And if it's not with Celtic, Angel will be making plans for them to go and already have plans in place for to bring guys in. I won't be one bit surprised if we see one of our top players in this squad leaving the summer. But you can bet your boots, Angel have somebody already lined up to replace them. But I, I, I can't really add any more to that, mate. That's you know, <laughs> pretty much kind of sums it all up. As I said, um, yeah, I think um, regardless of whether rumours are true, false, um, whatever, I think as long as Ange is still uh, in charge and pulling the shots, uh, pulling the strings and calling the shots, will uh, I think we'll do just fine. And uh, just what uh, one other wee point I wanted to bring up, Ross, um, just on Saturday. Uh, we had a familiar face returned to Celtic Park. Um, Michael Lustig um, came back. He was, I think he was doing the Celtic TV punditry and then he came out and done the, the Paradise One for He got a great reception. They say a kind of bona fide, mo- modern day legend at the club, you know, with all the honours that he won and the rapport he had with the fans. Him and Bruni are, of course, doing their, their night at the Hydro in May where they'll probably be able to get a proper send off. It was uh, good to see him back. Absolutely. Um, I, I thought he was a, a great player for Celtic. When he first came in, similar to most guys that stay for that length of time, you, you never expect it. You never expect him to stay that long. But we were talking uh, about guys, I mentioned Lustig the other night, we were talking about guys like people are saying well, maybe players will want to move on if they're not going to be getting picked for their country because he where they're playing and Lustig stayed at Celtic for seven years gave us seven great years and he got picked for Sweden all the time mm-hmm. he was a quality quality player uh, and he just again bought into everything that the club is about and like most that come to Celtic he falls in love with the club aye it was totally agree boys eh? um, but aye he falls in love with the club and now Celtic's just, just part of his life. He just, you see, I don't know if it's Insta, I think it's Instagram I follow him on and he, he doesn't miss the games, he watches all the games and he still likes to have his wee digs at the Rangers fans and that, <laughs> uh, wee smart comments and stuff like that. So he's, he's just a fan now. He, mm. he he was lucky enough to not know, probably not know a great deal about Celtic. Maybe just off a like Henry Larson playing at the club and stuff, Mialbe. Uh, so he's got that affinity there, but then he comes to the club and he falls in love and he's left, but he's still a Celtic fan now. Absolutely, a, a Celt for life, Franny. And uh, like you say on his, his Instagram account, um, I think it was his wife was recording it whilst he, he went round and done the, the one following mm-hmm. stuff with his kids. And uh, when he put the video up, he just said that it, was, it felt like he was back home. It just shows you... You know, I'm sure he's got his own, you know, loyalties in Sweden and stuff. But uh, as Ross says, uh, now until uh, his last day, he'll always be cheering on Celtic as well. Well, it's like he came in. I think it was well, it was like a, a January signing and stuff, and he won a league title every season he was here. So, I mean, he's got that. He's he's got that to go for. Uh, he's 
must have double digits anyway in trophies because I'm sure they would have picked up a few domestic corners along the way. So he'd be one of the most decorated players if you actually look at his career at Celtic. And he was one of the guys that kind of got it and got it early <coughs> on, but he was a good player. He continued to play for Sweden and stuff, or maybe got in the Sweden squad on the back of his form at Celtic and held that position. Uh, position, position. I don't know what that was going for. <laughs> position down uh, nearly every, every international. He was kind of always picked for it and stuff. And it was just, it was a wee, I think if if you're a Rangers fan, you maybe hate him. He, he seemed to like getting one over them. He liked that. I think he only scored one, but he, uh, he celebrated that against them really well. Then obviously he had the James Forrest goal where he, he grabs a policeman's hat and things like that. <laughs> and, so he had character. I had I well that was it. I had the characters. I think there's always that video of kind of playing a piano or something to some rave mm. tune and uh, the park. So he's he's got plenty of highlights on and off the park and stuff. And I think the the biggest credit you can give the guy is the bounty right backs we went through in about three seasons to try to replace him. Mm-hmm. That's I think that's the biggest credit you can actually give the guy. Yeah. What what right, we so. what we saying though? Is he is he getting into this team before Alistair Johnson. Oh, oh, that's horrendous. <laughs> which, which in itself is a great compliment to Alistair Johnson. Aye. Aye, I know. Um, Aye, absolutely. I, I do think, I think Lustig would... I would go with uh, either I, now. I, 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 think I, I, I just love that. him. Like, I'd be hard Aye, to so, so they are. Yeah. I, think I'm, I think I'm going either now, but I mean, Johnson's only in the, in the door, eh? So we bumped. I'll give Johnson his due as well. He's got, obviously, he's, he's, he's Canadian, Does but he's got that kind of patter about him as well. Like, he's mm. he, he likes doing the wind-up stuff as well. Uh, already. Like, he's bought into the kind of similar vibes that Lustig did as well. Um, but, yeah, he's um, he'll always be welcome back at Celtic Partners, I say. Hopefully, uh, hopefully we can pack out the, the hydro uh, for him, for him and Scott Brown. Uh, and I think it's 18th of May. <laughs> Um, sometimes it's near the end of the season, so yeah, should be should be quite a night um, at the at the arena. Here's hoping it's a, a sellout. Um, I think there's still tickets available there now. Uh, think think, think there is. Uh, well, I'm, I'm I'm taking my dad to the the one at the Armadillo the week before, so uh, yeah, funds are a bit tight. Um, I think <laughs> Chris Chris Sutton's interviewing the '97 '98 team because it's the 25th oh, anniversary oh, right. starting the 10. So um, we're going to that. Oh, that's good. Unfortunately, I'll, I'll not be able to make it along to the hydro funds. Didn't stretch that far, but uh, <laughs> I'm sure whoever's going along will it'll be a good night. But uh, terms of that show, boys, I think that's pretty much. I've got nothing else to tick off on the <laughs> on the running chart anyway. So, how he's uh, he's enjoyed that. Yeah, ah, man. Good. You obviously looked up at that clock and freaked out that it was getting close to an hour, Anthony. Oh, man. <laughs> Sweat's running down my back, son. <laughs> <laughs> ah, when when we were running five minutes late, I was like, oh, fucking hell, man. I might, be, might, uh, might not be off by nine o'clock. <laughs> you need, you need an impromptu quiz to take it up to the hour. I can't cope with that. Oh, no. As long as it's been 55, that's, that's what I was. That's what ah. I was. <laughs> <laughs> I should have actually. I should always have a quiz book at hand. That's that's my that's a lesson learned uh, for today. <laughs> but um, of course, there's always the the, the next show uh, coming up as well. We'll preview Friday's one. We're going to do. I think it's me, Wally, and I'm not sure if it's if it's MD else at the moment. Um, but not we're going to be doing a Champions League rewind on Friday night. <laughs> just with being the international break, we're going to be looking back. At, um, we've been doing this throughout the season, just looking back at. 
campaigns for years gone by. Um, so we're up to season 2008-9 now. It's Gordon Stratton's final one as Celtic manager. Not one of our, it's not going to be one of our more cheerier episodes. We finished fourth and all in all, it was a pretty hopeless campaign, um, to be honest. So we're going to try and tailor in the build-up to the Euro 24 qualifiers in the same show as well, just to give us a, you know, give us something else to talk about, to, to, to be honest. The other question, do you know that one, Ross? <laughs> the, the last Celtic player to score a penalty against Rangers? Or no, just, just the like last player? Just the last player? Oh, just the last player? Um, don't know. Can Jamie Johnson? It wasn't yesterday. <laughs> uh, but no, thanks again, uh, boys. It was always good having you two on uh, on a Monday night, shooting the breeze about all things uh, Celtic. And thanks again to everybody in the comments as well for getting involved and, and tuning in. If you've enjoyed it, you know what to do. Hit the wee like button, as Phil McGinley says. And, uh, you know, maybe recommend us to a few friends as well and uh, if you hit the little subscribe button and the wee bell notification you'll always find out um, when we're live there you go Lewis Ferguson so as you say uh, don't imagine that being yesterday you'll uh-huh. um, it's not too long um, before uh, before I get another one hopefully I might have a beard again by then but uh, <laughs> <laughs> say no more say no more but no thanks again everybody appreciate it and we'll see you on Friday night until then to coin Stephen Sprays, stay well and keep safe. He'll help.